0: You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Will you go with me to the book of Matthew? Matthew chapter 14. It's a familiar text to the church. Most people that, maybe even those that, it's so familiar that maybe even if somebody wasn't a believer, they're familiar with this story. But I... I had intended to be somewhere else this morning, but I just kept, in my reading, I had went over this story again, and it just kept coming back to my heart, and I feel that I would be wrong if I went somewhere else. So I want to refresh the story of Peter walking on the water with you this morning, and further encourage us, maybe uh, today encourage our walk, uh, our step of faith. And uh, so let's begin here this morning at verse number 22. Matthew chapter 14 and verse number 22. And the Bible says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. if it be you, bid me to come on with you, unto you on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore did thou doubt? And when they come into the ship, the wind ceased. And they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. Would you look back with me one more time at verse number 31? Immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand. He called him, and he said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore did thou doubt? Now, I want to minister for a moment. There's a thought in my spirit in my heart. I have heard this message preached. I don't know when there's continued re- revelation that the church is yet to unfold, but I've heard this message preached in different ways. But one of the things that we have to be careful with this morning, I want you to hear what I'm about to say that we have to be careful with, is when we look at, O thou of little faith, where did you doubt? That it's very easy to come across in a way that, and some ministers have done it or some preachers have done it, but. To come across in a way to you, to beating you up because you didn't have enough faith to walk on the water. But the intent of the scripture is not to beat you up because you don't have enough faith to walk in the, on the water. The intent of the scripture is to encourage you to take a step of faith that you've never taken before. If I beat you up this morning, I've done you no good. I'm not here to discourage you. Because you're at a place where you're struggling to take the next step of faith. Because all of us have been there or are there this morning. I'm not going to beat you up and say, you just need to take take that step of faith. It's not about that. It's to encourage you that if you'll take that next step of faith, Jesus will catch you if you fall. And you will see the hand of God like you've never seen it before. Oh, that's beautiful. So this morning, I want to minister. Why? doubt the Lord now question why doubt the Lord now will you bow your head and will you help me pray father I love you today and I thank you God for your grace and for your mercy and love and I thank you for the opportunity Lord one more time to stand and proclaim your truth to your people today I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you would do something that I cannot do and that is to move upon our hearts, to open our ears that we may hear, God, to open our hearts to receive, and Lord, to anoint me to deliver your already anointed word. The task before me is greater than what I am, but I know that with your help, God, that your word will accomplish what it's sent out to accomplish. And we ask it, Lord, we'll be very careful to give you the praise, the glory, and honor, and we ask it in the name of Jesus, and everybody says, Amen. My mind this whole week has been stayed upon the believer living and walking in victory. And I'll tell you in advance this morning, it's going to take me just a little bit to get to that text. I've got some things uh, in my heart that I feel like I need to say, but my mind has been stayed upon the believer living and walking in victory and not just uh, limiting victory, as I said last week, to. Uh, The alcoholic or the drug addict or somebody that is bound with an addiction, but the believer needs to experience continual victory over and over in our life. Amen? Amen. When you come to Jesus, there wasn't, uh, you may not agree with me. Let me say it like this. When I came to Jesus, there was more than one thing wrong with me. And so I I don't want this one thing fixed. I want to grow closer and closer to the Lord. And as I walk by faith and the Holy Spirit reveals things to me that is hindering my walk, well, He convicts me of it. I recognize it and say, Lord, I recognize that is there and it's not helping me. So I ask in the name of Jesus for you to change this in me and move it to me. And as the Lord removes things out of my heart, He's making room to put some of His things in my heart. And the result is I'm growing. Closer and closer to the Lord, and as a believer, that is what you should want. Right. Amen. And so that's what we want this morning. And so last Sunday was spiritually difficult, uh, difficult service, and I, I thought that I rambled through, and I tried my best to preach and to teach in regards to being set for deliverance when the children of Israel were coming out of the bondage of, of or the out of the bondage of Egypt. Sunday night I had felt a spiritual, and we all did, hindrance like we haven't felt in a long, long time. But finally the Lord broke through as we continue to press on, regardless of what we felt. I learned a hard lesson last Sunday. I had to, I learned to practice what I preach, that we don't go on what we feel. We go on what the word of the Lord was to our heart, and we trust God to do what He's done. And as we worked through that and we battled through it, well, listen, God done a work last Sunday night. A, a great work in the hearts and lives uh, of his people, those that receive from the Lord. But uh, the Lord moved through it, and I'm thankful, so very thankful that he's done that, and I believe that he's done a great work. But I have not left that thought. And in my spirit, I want to say some things this morning. It's needful for me to further encourage us as believers to trust God uh, to, to do everything in our life that we are expecting Him to do. I know I'm starting off slow, but I promise it's for a reason. It's needful for me to further encourage us as believers that what Jesus accomplished on the cross of Calvary, What Jesus accomplished on the cross of Calvary, listen, was not just for the sinner. It wasn't just for the sinner. And the church as a whole, to hear that message, it usually begins and it quits with those that are lost but do you know that what jesus done on the cross of calvary was not just to get us saved but it was to be there for us to place our faith in him so that we would continually be changed and transformed into the image of christ One-third of your Bible is given to justification and glorification. Two-thirds is given to sanctification, the transformation of the believer. Listen, Jesus died on the cross of Calvary not just to save you, but to change us. And we keep our faith there, and it was to give continued victory over every bondage and every hindrance in the life of the believer that we may be listen, that we may be a witness for Christ and continue to know and to believe and to experience that His grace is sufficient for anything and everything that I will face in this life. Now, faith in Christ and what He did on the cross of Calvary was how I started and how I was justified. Faith in Christ and Him crucified was how I walk. It's how I'm sanctified. Faith in Christ and Him crucified is how that I will finish and I will ultimately be glorified. And so we never move from, listen, we never move from faith in Jesus and what He did on the cross of Calvary, and I say that carefully because we can move our faith to our own works and our own efforts before we realize we've done it. But the Holy Spirit only works by faith in Christ and what He did on the cross of Calvary. I want to ask you again to bear with me for just a few moments. I want to remind us some things as a church. And I know we've got some visitors, but as a whole we have the home body here. And I I want to remind us of a few things as a church. And then I I promise I'll get back to our text. But as a whole, as I look out across this congregation this morning, and uh, many of you, I I know, most of you, I know a little bit of a background about your life and and where you come from. And I look out across this congregation this morning as a whole, and we find that uh, there's a few things that uh, that, uh, as a church that we have in common, and there's a whole lot of things that we don't have in common. But as a whole, faith worship center is not... And I don't mean this in the wrong way, but listen to what I'm about to say. We're not the same as the average church. And I don't mean every church is average. Some people, somebody's going to message me and say, I can't believe you said that. Well, listen, just hear me out just a moment. We're not the average church sitting on the corner. That's not what we are. We're not just the, uh, just the church. I'm not saying this to say that we're better than. But I want you to understand there's a reason that I am am glad and I'm thankful and I am uh, above all grateful that the Lord allows me to pastor Faith Worship Center. And there's a reason you get up and come here every Sunday. We're not the same as every church that is on the corner, and we're not just here to exist and to say, oh, I want to have a church service. No, that's not what it's about. If you can't go to the church service and there's not life, and you're not getting the truth of Christ and Him crucified, edified in your spirit and being built up, listen, I'd rather stay at home. There are few things I've ever been a part of that is more boring than church if the Spirit of the Lord is not there. So we're not just the average church. We're not just the church that is on a corner that we, we can't get along with anybody else. So hey, we'll just have our own church. That's not what we're doing. That's not what we're about. But as a church by majority, we consist of people that have stepped away of denominational barriers. We have stepped away of legalism. We have stepped away of religious bondages. We have stepped away of other things. And you know what? And even as a pastor, I get sick and tired of people Come asking me, what are you? And I say, what do you mean? What the hell am I? Well, are you Baptist? You Pentecost? You this? You that? I say, look, I'm a Christian. I don't want to be labeled because what they're at, they're not asking what you believe. They're asking what part of the denomination that you belong to. Let me tell you what I belong to. I belong to the family of God, baptized into Jesus Christ, buried with Christ, covered by the blood of Jesus, and I have life because of the Spirit of God. That's what they're asking though. Well, what are you? Yes, I believe in Pentecost by experience, but if I say I'm Pentecost, do you know what the next question is? Well, does your wife wear a long dress and, and she never cut her hair? I didn't say we was under religious bondage. I said we believe in the experience of Pentecost. But the church can't separate that as a whole. But as a whole, we are here because we're tired of all of these things. And I can look out across this congregation, and I can see people that have stepped out of those barriers, see people from many, many different backgrounds. Some of you I've had different conversations with, one-on-one conversations. I've never pulled you. I've never tried to uh, get you to come here because I want you here. Because most of you will know, Brother Troy will testify to this, when the first day that he came, I walked back there to him, it was not not easy for him to bring his family. And I told him, look, if it's the Lord's will for you to be here, I want you here. But if you go into a church that preaches Christ and Him crucified and God is using you there, then you don't need to be here. You need to be in the center of God's will. But listen, there are very few churches that are preaching faith and grace because the church as a whole don't understand it. And the reason that we exist today is because we are—we are here to extend the grace of God to anybody and to everybody. That—that uh, that, listen, anybody and everybody is eligible for the grace of God. Look, I, I'm, I don't want part of a bondage. I don't want part of religion. You can keep your rules. You can keep your regulation. I just want to be focused and point people to a one-on-one relationship with Jesus Christ because that's all that matters as a church as a pastor I still hear stories of people that are being I know somebody's going to think well I'm bashing other churches I'm not doing that you don't know my heart I still hear stories of people being rejected some churches uh, that tell people you can't come here because of various reasons most of them is because they have a life of sin and they're open about it and so they don't want them in their church listen that's not me if you're listening or watching live that's not me I don't care what your bondage is I don't care what your lifestyle is when I say anybody and everybody is welcome let me make that plain it doesn't just mean anybody and everybody is welcome it means I want everybody to come and to be a part of faith and grace this morning that's what it means we are here as a church to be a voice that is proclaiming the message of Christ and Him crucified the message of grace and faith because it has changed our lives most of us would not be in church today if it was not for the message of grace Amen. We wouldn't be here, would we, Pastor Brian? If it was not for the message of faith and grace, most of us would not be here today. We've been changed and we've been impacted by that message. I remember for me when we were doing our Thursday night panels and for those that have been asking, we've not just tried to quit. We're trying to, I'm not a start and stop kind of person. If I'm going to do something, let's be consistent and be all in. And the time we picked just wasn't consistent. And so, yes, we will go back to it. But for me, coming on to the revelation of being justified by my faith changed everything for me. When I learned that God was not a big mean God up there with an eraser trying to knock me out of heaven and erase my name, when I finally learned that he understood what he was getting when he got me and that I was justified by my faith and the picture became clear to me, that one day that I walked in, spiritually speaking, to heaven's courtroom and when I walked in to heaven's courtroom and my accuser, the devil, began to tell of all of the wrong things that I've done and God asked me how I would plead. The only thing I could do is say I'm either guilty and be doomed forever or I could look to Jesus Christ well I found out that I could look to Jesus because he invited me to and he allowed me to and he welcomed me to and when I looked to Jesus he had mercy upon me and he stood in front of me and when God the righteous judge looked down to see me Jesus was standing in front of me and he pronounced me not guilty for anything and everything when I learned that I'm not guilty and now I'm in a position that I could be changed listen The burden of trying to live for God by rules and regulations and legalism lifted off of me. And what was placed on me was a freedom like I've never experienced before. I know liberty. I know freedom. I know more than a conqueror because I've been justified by my faith in Christ and what He did on the cross of Calvary. So I ask you this morning, what was it like when you come on to the message of grace and faith? What was it like? Because many of us would say this, because many elders just told me this, it's like I just got saved all over again. I wish I'd have got one amen and then I would have felt like I was right. It was like you got saved all over again. I finally figured it out. John 3, 16 doesn't stop with 16. It goes on to 17. God did not come to condemn the world. He come the world through him might be saved. And now, living in the freedom and the liberty that Jesus paid for me on the cross of Calvary, the thing that sticks out the most is my freedom because I am justified. And the result is to this body that it built an excitement in us and renewed our love for God. Somebody agree with me. And we know that others need to hear That you can live for God if you want to live for God. We know that others need to hear that His grace is sufficient for you also. We know that others need to hear that God loves you in spite of you. We know others need to hear that I don't care who you are. And I don't care where you've been. And I don't care what your bondage is. I don't exist to cast stones. I exist to extend the grace of God that you might be changed also. We understand that others need to hear and need to understand that they've got their own work of grace. And if we'll just be patient with them, that God will work all of those things out of their heart as they continue in the relationship with Jesus. The result of the message of the cross is that it built an excitement in us, renewed our love for God, and we know that others need to hear and we have a desire to live and walk in liberty. If I could back up just a little bit, I'll say this. It just come up on my memories. You know, it's not been, and now it's been only two years ago that we completely remodeled and opened up our church to add more seating. Before that, we made another little area of seating and it didn't last long. And I'm not saying this uh, for, for braggadocious reasons if I boast I boast and I glory in the Lord but we opened up a little more seating there and the Lord filled that up and then we went in here when they said COVID and you've got to shut down and I'm not good at shut down and so you got to shut down for this and I thought well we'll gut this thing and open it up and we're not going to be uh, you know, not supposed to we'll try to comply but we you know I'm not saying being ignorant and so we opened it up and then we began to add more seatings and now well, a few months ago we bought property and we've got plans already going to build another sanctuary another church and everything is in the works and we'll be coming to you about that before long you know why that's happening you know why a church in this day and this hour is continuing to grow because somebody got a hold of the message of the cross and it began to steer something uh, deep down in their heart that says this this is it this is it this is the truth that I've been looking for and it's changing my life and if it'll change my life it'll change everybody's life and that's where we're at. Now, the Scripture all of a sudden begins to come, a- come, come alive to me. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. He's inside of me. The law of the Spirit of life has made me free from the law of sin and death. It's a law that God Himself has ordained. Who the Son has made free is free indeed. I have not received again the spirit of bondage, but I have been adopted into the body of Christ. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. All of these Scriptures begin to come alive because I am free in my relationship with Jesus Christ. I think about the old song, the old hymnal that many have put away. But it says, once like a bird in prison I dwelt. No freedom from my sorrow I felt. But Jesus came and listened to me. Glory to God. He set me free. (laughs) He changed me. He set me free. And here's what I'm learning. I said all that to say this. And somebody's thinking, why didn't you cut to the chase? But nevertheless, here's what I'm learning. As a church that has come on to the message of, of faith and grace. Teachers, preachers, listen to me. As a church that has come on to the message of the cross. To the believer that knows how to walk in God's prescribed order of victory. To the believer that has been being changed and altered. Do I got anybody in here that's been being, being transformed because of their faith in Christ? Because of the believer that knows how to walk in the Spirit. And has experienced that individual change. What is it that the enemy of your soul desires to take from you more than anything? He desires to take away that liberty that you've been walking in for this past few years. And if he can take that away, listen. He can make us begin to doubt, well, did the Lord do anything? And then make us begin to doubt as a church, well, what about the message of the cross? And everything begins to head in the wrong direction. I know this is different, but I, I think it's important. What is it that you that have walked in liberty and freedom for so long desire, that the enemy desires to take more than anything? It's your freedom to live for God. And your freedom to be changed. And if he can take that, he can stop you dead in your tracks. And make you quit moving forward for the Lord. And if he stops us as believers, individual believers, he stops us as a church. Now, back to my text. Why doubt the Lord now? Our text is about Peter walking on the water. We've shouted about it, and we should. We recall the moment that he began to sink, and the Lord immediately grabs his hand and rescues him. But I want to back up a little bit further. And I want you to think about something in the life of Peter here. If we back up to the point to where we're at right now, please give me a 10 I'm not going to be before you long. But if we back up and work our way quickly to this point right now. Here's what's happened. Peter was with Jesus when the leper stopped him and said, Lord, if you will, you can make me whole. Peter watched the Lord as he said, I will. And that leper's skin turned back as normal as what it could ever be. Peter was with Jesus when his mother-in-law was sick. He was one of those that walked in the room. And the Lord raised her up and healed her of her sickness. Peter was there when the demon spirits cried out. When Legion was there and broke all of his chains and was standing before him. And the Lord began to talk to him and delivered this man called Legion. Peter was standing behind him and he watched this powerful miracle happen. Peter was there earlier in chapters when they were out in the storm and Jesus was asleep. And they woke him up and said, Do you not care that we're about to sink? And Jesus said, Peace, be still. Peter was one of them when Jesus went back to where he was that looked at the others and said, Who is this man that even the winds and the sea would obey his voice? Peter was there when he lowered the man through the roof Yes, he was there when they heard him ripping shingles off and all of the wood off of the entire entire roof. And he was there as he looked up and all of a sudden there's a stretcher coming straight down at them. You see, Peter never left the side of Jesus. He was there when they lowered Him down and got Him right before Jesus. And Jesus looked at the Pharisees and Sadducees because their eyes was on Him. And He said, Thy sins be forgiven you. He was there when He perceived their thoughts and He said, What? You think it's easier for Me to say you can be healed other than your sins be forgiven you? But so you know that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins. He said to the sick of the palsy, Rise up. Take your bed. Take and walk, and Peter witnessed this man as he walked out as a man that was made whole. Peter was there when the blind man came to Jesus. And he said, Lord, that I would receive my sight. Peter was there when he opened his eyes and he saw and was no longer blind. He was there when the dumb was to speak. Peter was the spokesperson when he came and he said, let's feed this multitude. Well, Lord, we don't even have nothing. There's a little boy brought, that brought five loaves and two fishes. That's all we got. How do you expect us to feed them? He said, bring them to me. Peter was one of the ones that went back and said, Son, we need to borrow your lunch. And brought it to him and put them before the Lord. And the Lord blessed them. And they started passing them out. And they took up more than what they ever even started with. Listen, God's got more to give than what we could ever receive from Him. Peter was there. And then, as we look back on the record, if you were to ask Peter, set him down one-on-one. I'm trying to get personal. If you set him down one-on-one and say, Peter, give us a good analysis. What do you think about this man they call Jesus? The only testimony that he could say is this. He's the Son of God When he was asked Forefront When he was asked Who do men say that I am Thou art the Christ You are the Son of God He said Peter Flesh and blown Has not told you Or revealed this to you But my Father Which is in heaven If you sat him down And interviewed him Peter would have to say This Jesus Is the Son of God And he's never failed me And all things Are possible If you believe upon him Now watch this He gets to the place, they're in a boat. Go to the other side. He is now at the place where the storm is rocking the boat, throwing it every which way. The waves were coming over. If Peter was scared, it was bad because it's not the first storm he'd been in. he fished for his life. That's what he did. Now, I want you to think about this. All of a sudden, they see Jesus. They're not sure it's him, but he comes walking on the water. Lord, is that you? Yeah, it's me. Peter testing. him. Well, Lord, if it's you, then bid me to get out of the boat and come to you. Jesus said, come on. Now, there's a step of faith. So, Peter gets out of the boat, and he starts walking to the Lord. And he gets distracted by the storm. And he begins to sink. And the Lord, when he cried out, Lord, save me, God didn't wait. If you cry out to the Lord to save you, he won't wait. That's what, he's, that's what he wants to do. And the Lord reached down immediately and pulls him up. And he said, wherefore did you doubt? So my question is this. If Peter had seen him do all of this before, if Peter if you sat down and you interviewed him and all he could say about him is he never failed and there's nothing he ever come against that he, he wasn't able to accomplish, then why would he doubt the Lord now? Why now? To be honest with you, think about this. He's doubting the Lord, that the Lord could keep him above the... I mean... Two seconds before this moment, he's walking on water, two seconds before, and he's walking on water. Why? Doubt the Lord now. And so in my spirit is this: I don't know what all you have seen God do in your life. I don't know what all He has broke, what hindrances He's already removed. I don't know how far that the Lord has brought you individually. But I know that if you've been serving God very long at all, you know what it's like to be through the fire. You know what it's like to climb a mountain. You know what it's like to be in the valley. You know what it's like to have marriage trouble. You know what it's like to have trouble with your children. You know what it's like to have your health in trouble. And if you look back, there's no way that you could say that God ever failed you. So my question is, why doubt the Lord now? Why would I doubt Him now? Oh, I feel that in my spirit. I want to preach. David. Had a conversation, maybe a little insight of why we would doubt the Lord now. David have a conversation with Saul. He gets to Saul, comes to feed his brothers. There's the giant Goliath screaming and hollering, defying the armies of the living God. David has a conversation with his brothers. They say, go on back to those sheep. Where did you leave them with? Making fun of him and mocking him and everything else. That's where most of us run and go back. Because we get a little pressure on the outside. David goes and has a conversation with Saul. Saul says, Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Well, I tell you what, you can wear my armor. Tries to put it on, takes it off. I haven't proved these things, Saul. Well, I don't know what makes you think. Here's something we did not know. Here's what David said Saul, I was watching them sheep one time with my father. There was a bear came. I grabbed that bear by the beard, took that sheep out of his mouth, delivered him. The Lord helped me. And then, Saul, there was another time a lion came. The power of God came upon me. I grabbed that lion. I took that baby lamb back. We didn't know nothing about that. Whoa, we did not know anything about that. But all of a sudden, David is bringing it up and telling him. You see, the difference between Goliath and the bear and the lion was this. The Lord done those things with David in the secret with the bear and the lion. And that was between the Lord and David. But those things that He done in His heart and the way that He anointed Him in secret was to prepare Him to face a giant in the public so that He could be a leader to everybody that was watching Him. See, the difference is we want to doubt the Lord now because there's other people That no, if I take this big step of faith, first of all, the mocking and the ridicule is going to come. But if I step out in faith this time, what if I fail? Well, immediately, Jesus reached him down, reached and saved him. Well, what if it don't? Well, look back. Did God fail you before? Did God stop you? Did he he leave you before? David went down there. I'll be right back, boys, with his head. I know I'm paraphrasing. This is not King James Version. S.A. Version right here. I'll be back in a minute with his head, and he comes back with the head of Goliath, and what happened? The Philistines were so encouraged in the faith. Not the Philistines, but the children of Israel were so encouraged in the faith that they defeated the Philistine army. Who is sitting, watching, ready for their great encouragement in the faith? Oh, we're quiet this morning. Who is waiting for their great encouragement in the faith? Looking for somebody that would take that step of faith. I want to ask you. If the Lord has done so much in your life already, why would we doubt him now? I'm not trying to beat you up and say, you don't have enough faith. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying this. If he's never failed you before, you have no logical reason to believe that he's going to fail you now. Oh, that's good preaching. Thursday or Friday, I don't remember what day it was. I'm going to say this and I'm going to go ahead and hush. I don't remember exactly what day it was, but I got a little, I got a little colt, Two-year-old colt. i pretty proud of her possibly the best cult that I, I personally have ever started as far as just wanting to learn. Been a few times she's been ahead of me trying to figure out what I'm doing. And my dad's been coming over in the morning when he's not working and he's been riding with me and, and he'll, he'll get in there and we're riding next to each other, we're talking, we're just father, son. He thinks we're just riding and really we're making memories Never be able to be replaced. The Thursday or Friday, and I don't remember what day it was, this colt has got now about 25 rides on her. I'd have to look at my marks. And I'm at the place. I, I take. I was taking her slow. I even called my brother last week, and I said, I'm having trouble getting her to stop like I want her to when I'm in a trot. I just can't get that. He said, well, there's no need going any further. You need to stay right there. And so, Brian Started a lot of colts and knows a lot about them. And so all of a sudden, it just began to click. And I would say, Dad, watch her. I want you to watch her footing and see where she's at. And he would back over in the center of the arena. I'd come along there and I'd ask her to stop. And she got to where she's locking up real quick and then immediately tilting her head and she's backing up. She's just doing real good. So I said, Dad, I think she's ready for the next step. I'm going to go ahead and push her on or ask her to go into a lope and see where we're at. I'm going to let her fill it out. And so he said, all right. So he backed over to the side, give me the free rein of the, where we're riding and the pin there. And I start getting her in a trot, and I start letting her go a little bit faster and a little bit faster and a little bit faster. She's still in a trot. feels like we're trotting 100 miles an hour. I'm thinking, break over sometime. And all of a sudden, this colt, tripped could have been bad she tripped I moved my feet out of the stirrups getting ready I was looking for uh, it was about to be an eject button whether I wanted it or not but she went to trip got her head low I thought she's going to trip on fall on over and I was looking I was ready there was a panel there and I was going to jump and grab it and when she went to trip she got her head down and all of a sudden she got back up and I stopped her I just petted her. And I, I looked at him and dad's eyes was big. And I said, I'm going to try her again. He said, you think she's ready? And I said, you know what I think? I think I've got her attention now. And I think now that i got her attention, she's paying attention. And she'll be more careful. She won't trip this next time. And I got about halfway around the riding pin. And she broke over. Do a good lope, and I let her hit three or four and stopped and petted her. And we done it again about four or five times, and she's just loping like a broke horse. You see, she did not know that she could trust me in that next gate, that next lope that she needed to reach into. But when she about tripped and fell, and I didn't whoop her and scald her for it, I rubbed her and let her know it's okay. And we got up and went again. She fell right into it. I think too often... We are afraid that we're going to trip and fall, that the Lord is just going to disregard us and say, you're not never going to work and I'm not never going to be able to use you. When the truth of the matter is, even at the moments that we trip, our attention is given more to the Lord. Listen, if you trip or fail, you'll pray. And the moments that we start to trip and fall and fall on our face, and we begin to pray and the Lord lets us know that everything is all right, the next moment is usually when we fall right into it and we're just moving on with the Lord. So I come to ask you a question. If you're at a, a place where you're saying, I've got content with my walk with God. I've got content with a hindrance. I've got content with not going any further. I just want to ask you, why would you doubt the Lord now? If you look back, He's never failed you. He's probably set you up for this moment right now. He won't ask more of you than what you're able to give. So I come to encourage you to take that next step of faith to trust the Lord and to allow Him to use you so that others may be impacted and affected by your walk. Why doubt the Lord now? The same God that saved you is able to help you in this situation. The same God that's brought you this far will be the same God that will see you through. All things are possible if we can believe upon Him. And that means in your own heart and in your own life, there's nothing about you that the Lord can't change if you will trust Him and you will believe Him. Will you stand with me? What do you got? Father, we love you today, God. We thank you for your grace and for your mercy and for your love. We thank you, God, for the power of the Holy Spirit that still moves upon the hearts and lives of people. God, I'm so thankful today that I can testify of your grace. I can testify of your mercy. And I can look back in my life and I can say, Lord, you've never failed me. You've never forsaken me. I have fallen a few times. I have failed you a few times. But you've always been there to pick me back up and to help me upon the way. God, I ask today in the name of Jesus that you would move across this congregation. We are a congregation that loves you, God, and a congregation that desires to serve you, Lord, and just to allow you to work in our heart and in our life. We have stepped out in faith and said, God, use me. Lord, use me. Today, God, You as you put your people in a position where you can use them, God, to impact others, I'm asking that you would give us the strength to make that next big step to not doubt you now but to go forward and allow you, your will to be done in our heart and in our life and I ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, I just simply ask you this morning simple altar call for you to search your heart allow the Holy Spirit to inspect your heart. You say, you know what? That's me. There's a hindrance. There's a reason that I have not moved forward with the Lord. Because I know that within myself, I'm going to sink. I'm going to fail. I'm not here this morning to make light of your situation. I'm not here to tell you to get over it. I'm not here to tell you that your faith is not enough. I'm just here to tell you this that if you'll make that next step of faith and let God do what He wants to do, that you will find the same God that never failed you in the past. He won't fail you today. Why doubt the Lord now? If that's you this morning, if the Lord has dealt with your heart, I want to give you an opportunity to come, to find yourself a place to pray. Say, God, help me to trust you. Help me to believe you, Lord. Help me, God, to keep walking by faith. Right now, would you come? Others are already coming. Would you come? Come on, would you come? Come on, would you come this morning? Come on. Come on, would you come? It's a good time to pray. It's a good time to say, Lord, help me trust you. God, help me to trust you and help me to follow you, Lord. He's got a plan for your life. He's got a plan for you. Can I get some people to help me work the altars? Would you come and find somebody and pray with them? I need some help this morning. I do need some help this morning. If you could help me. It means so much for somebody to have somebody's hand up on their back praying for them this morning. Would you come help me? I need some help this morning. Church family, would you help me this morning? I need some help. I need some altar workers this morning. Would you help us today? Would you help us today? Come on, church family. Find somebody and pray with them. This is your brother, your sister in Christ. Lift him up this morning. Would you come today? We need some help today. Thank you, Lord. Whatever you feel.
1: Walking around these walls. I thought by now they'd fall But you have never failed me yet Waiting for change to come Knowing the battle's won For you have never failed me yet. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness is still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never fail me walking around these walls. I thought by now. But you have never failed me yet.
0: If you were blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, You can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you, and God bless you and your family.